You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, blue this, this is the pod, is the pod for, you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The Hard New York wants to stay at Nick. It's EJ Stewart. It's Tommy Beard. Thank you for checking out this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast. Odyssey, WFAN original. We were talking, we're talking plenty of Knicks stuff today, plenty of news that's happened so far. So we got Josh Hart doing an interview with Pleasure Report talking about the fact that he wants to be a Nick, that he intends to be a Nick, but that he will opt out of his contract. He has a player option for about $13 million. Plans to opt out, explained why the Knicks he thought were a great fit for him. So we'll break down what are the odds that Josh Hart perhaps isn't a Nick if he does indeed hit free agency. So we'll break that all down. We'll also talk about Julius Randle, who announced uh, this week that he had undergone ankle surgery. This was originally a report from Adrian Wojnarowski. So Julius Randle injured that ankle late in the season, then uh, injured the ankle again multiple times in the playoffs. So ankle surgery for Julius. We'll talk about his recovery and how long he expected to be out. And call him Captain America. Jalen Brunson expected to be named to Team USA. He will resent, represent the U.S. in the FIBA World Cup. What does that mean for the Knicks? We'll break that down as well. So plenty of stuff to get to. Tommy Beer with me as always. And Tommy, if any, if yesterday was any indication of what this offseason will be like, I anticipate fireworks considering what we saw from Kyrie Irving or at least Shams speaking for Kyrie Irving and getting the offseason started with fireworks, trying to bring the King to Dallas with him. No, that, that couldn't have been Kyrie that leaked that he doesn't want to be, you know, he doesn't want your attention. Remember you uh, leave, yes. me alone. Leave, leave him alone. Leave me alone. So don't you guys have something better to do? Um, also, uh, yeah, Shams and, uh, um, uh, who's the other dude for a uh, bleach report? Chris Hayes. Um, yes. Yeah, just so happens to uh, get the same bit of information on the same day that um, uh, Kyrie uh, would, would prefer to have uh, the best player in the world on his team, which, uh, which is pretty interesting. So um, yes, uh, fortunately, fortunately for folks in New York uh, likely don't have to deal with that headache anytime soon. Yeah. That won't have anything to do with the Knicks, but well, maybe there's some draft implications, but like yeah, I, just real quickly, w- there's some kind of end game, right? With Kyrie, there's never it's never like straightforward. So, like, what is going on? Just real quickly before we get into this next stuff. The one conspiracy theory I saw that I thought made some sense was maybe Ky- uh, LeBron wants a team with Kyrie. Um, so they're just kind of getting this out early to kind of force the Lakers' hands to, to, to do what they can do to find a way to create some salary cap space. Um, again, you know how I feel. I know how you feel. Um, if I'm the Lakers, I'd rather have Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura and those type of reliable role players um, than a superstar with a really cool you know, lay a package and a great handle than Kyrie Irving. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I mean, other than, you know, Kyrie just kind of people not saying his name for a couple of days. Um, you know, I, I, I can't think of any other valid reason why that would even, uh, why, why that, why that became news yesterday, including the fact that uh, the, 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 the Mavs were thinking about trading for LeBron at the deadline. 
only the CBA prohibits LeBron from being traded the day after the right. deadline. So it was just a, it was all a mess. Just, it was actually a, ba- a, a, ba- a poor reflection on journalism, to be honest. Yeah, I always hate those things where like there's there there's an obvious caveat, obvious kind of red herring in the distance to explain why certain things can or won't happen. They never get addressed in the report. We right. only get the splashy headline, which is that. Kyrie's trying to get LeBron to play with him in Dallas, despite how difficult that would be, despite the fact that Rob Plinko would have to be tarred and feathered through Los Angeles yeah. to be somehow traded uh, LeBron James <laughs> to the LeBron Dallas James Mavericks for the lack of assets that they have. Uh, he he built his family situation out in LA. His son is going to USC, and now he's going to demand the trade from a franchise that has been good, a very loyal franchise to move uh, you know to the middle of the country. It just It just makes no sense on so many levels. Doesn't make sense to me, but this is the NBA, so <laughs> anything can pop, anything can happen, happen, anything yeah. is possible, and crazier things have happened indeed. So uh, we'll be continuing to follow the rest of the NBA offseason. We'll also continue to follow the NBA Finals. We have a series that's now tied one-one. That is getting very interesting as well. But we'll, let's talk about Nick the Knicks. And, and before we get to that, uh, this is again Orange and Blue Bloods and your Nick podcast. A podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast. You can get it on the free Odyssey app, or you can get it um, on any other download, uh, any other streaming service. Make sure you get that auto-download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time you drop. And also be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can watch segments of the show and full episodes of the show. Find us on the WFAN channel and the Odyssey Sports channel. So let's begin with Josh Hart. Uh, He speaks on what could be a lucrative offseason for him this summer. He sat down with uh, Bleacher Report's Taylor Rooks and opened up about his approach to the offseason, saying he will likely decline his player option, but plans to, or at least hopes, to remain a New York Nick. Here is Josh Hart himself. We'll probably decline that and do the free agency thing. My my first free agency was I was restricted and it was it was ass. I kind of actually cried a little bit. It took like three weeks to get it done. I'm like, damn, like, do people want me in the league? Like, I don't think this free agency will go that way. I love New York. I love the team. I love the the coaching staff, the front office that we have. Mm-hmm. Got young guys, draft picks, all the you know all those sort of things. So, you know, obviously that would be an ideal place for me to just you know resign there and do that everything's perfect on the court off the court you know with family being close to home doing all those kind of things so you know fingers crossed that you yeah, know for, you know when, when free agency starts i'll say a deal will get done you know mm-hmm. hopefully in the first day or two i would love for that to be home so josh hart there making it very clear that opting out is likely going to happen but that being a nick is a priority and there's been talks about that being uh, expected to be the case and here you got josh hart himself saying that that is indeed the case so in case you forgot, Josh Hart was acquired by the Knicks midseason trade with the Portland Trailblazers. Sent Cam Reddish, Ryan Archer, Diakono, uh, and a Knicks 2023 first round pick to the Blazers. He played in the 25 regular season that uh, capped the Knicks season and started five of the team's 11 playoff games. Hart, again, has a player option worth $13 million. So, hearing from Josh Hart there, Tommy, do you think there is any chance Josh Hart isn't a Knicks? based on what he was saying? Yeah, I mean, kind of as we talked about when they acquired him, when they talked about the start of the offseason, there's always a chance. Anytime a player opts out and, you know, becomes a free agent, nothing's guaranteed. Um, you know, we had Carlos Boozer promise a a, a blind owner that he would return. And um, yeah, there, that there's, was wild. There's, there's been plenty of situations yeah. in NBA history where a guy, you just assumed that, that the guy was back and it, it was only a matter of time. And so certainly I believe that Josh Hart um, is going to be a Nick this season. I think one thing the Knicks can do to kind of uh, secure his services is maybe not guarantee his salary, but give him all the breast milk. Um, he, he would want, uh, <laughs> you know, make that part of the guarantee part of his contract. I, mean, I don't know how that's uh, affected in the new CBA. Um, there might be some, uh, you know, some some limitations on that. But I think that's one thing the Knicks could do. Yeah, and we've avoided the breast milk conversation, but I do want to bring that up in a second because I do have sound from him in his interview talking about the situation. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, as you said, like anything that happened in free agency, I just think to me – it just sounds like a handshake deal's already been made. Agreed. You know, he's saying that, you know, I hope a deal will get done hopefully the first day or two. You know, I mean, this technically wouldn't really be tampering because he's on the Knicks already. But, like, to me, like, you know, players knowing that a deal done, deal could be done the first day or two is just that there's already been parameters discussed about what it would take. The question EJ, are you, are you telling them they have conversations before the officials? That can't be the case. That's allowed. Know, that's it's, not, it's, that's allowed it's, right? it's, it's shocking, right? It's, it's unbelievable right? that, that could be the case. But that 
is, I'm almost certain, what's happened here. And I'm sure, like, Josh Hart's, uh, his representation over at CAA, like, they've talked around the league and said, hey, what are these other teams willing to offer? And how does that compare to the Knicks offer? So him saying that, you know, New York's a great fit. I love being here. I love the team. Everything's perfect. It's hard for a player to go that far talking about how much he loves his current situation and then have to sign, you know, in Detroit next season. Like, you know, how do you then, you know, spin the narrative of, well, you said you were in a perfect situation. You know, did you find a second perfect situation? Like, like you're going through your second option. It's like saying, you know, this is my second choice to go to prom with. It's not really something that the fan base and the next franchise is going to is going to want necessarily here. So I think he's kind of pigeonholing himself to returning as a Nick. I guess the question I have is like, how much money will this end up costing the Knicks? How many years will they commit to? I read uh, John Hollinger in the athletic. He did a whole breakdown on every player that has a player option or some kind of potential non-guaranteed deal coming up and what they should do. And he thought that Hart may actually end up opting in and then extending from there. So keeping the $13 million he can make next year and signing for something around there moving forward. Is that something you see on the table? What do you think the final numbers will end up looking on a Josh Hart deal? Yeah, so it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, obviously, Hart's, you know, he's I'm sure he's familiar with his options and, and and all the different scenarios that can play itself out. I'm sure he and his agent have had conversations. But more importantly, I'm sure the Knicks front office is, you know, rechecked and checked and had conversations with the, you know, with the, with his agents and kind of, you know, looked at all the different scenarios. Um, so, yeah, so the the Hollander, um, uh, the one Hollander wrote about it, and, and some other folks have, have discussed it uh this uh, since basically since the Knicks signed him. Um, so the benefit of a five, so is essentially what it is instead of um, uh, Josh Hart has until the end of the month to opt out. Uh, it's basically a mutual opt out of his, of his contract for next season. He currently is one year, 12.9 and change on the books. Yep. Um, uh, obviously he can make more than that in the open market. Um, even if it's just for one year and he can certainly make that, that money plus a couple more million over multiple years. So it essentially makes no sense for him to um, exercise that, that contract and, and remain in that contract for one more year. Um, however, it would make sense if the Knicks in, as a, instead of allowing him to enter free agency tacked on an extension um, if he chose to exercise that option. So the benefit for the Knicks perspective is that keeps their, 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 his base salary for the upcoming season below 13 million, yeah. which helps him stay below uh, the second apron and just kind of a, a big picture view. EJ and I will get into this over the summer, um, but the new CBA has some interesting language in it. Um, and we'll really dig into the, the kind of the, 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 the details of it as, as we move on in, in June and July. Um, but essentially something to keep in mind in a phrase you're going to hear a lot from us and from uh, informed basketball analysts is this thing called the separate second apron. So essentially the new yeah. CBA um, wants to make it difficult for teams. There Obviously, some teams are going to spend more than others. There's a salary cap, but it's a soft cap as opposed to a hard cap, as we you know are familiar with that language in different sports, the NFL, etc. There's also a salary floor, which prevents teams from spending far less than their competitors. So ideally, the NBA, you know, you're going to have the high spenders, roughly 20 or so percent above the, the low spenders. Um, but there are a few teams that can ex that drastically exceed that salary cap. Um, we saw it when the when the Warriors got Kevin Durant and just basically ran the NBA with their eyes closed for two seasons and really yeah. uh, diminished the the, the products by making it virtually uh, by making it very predictable. Um, so what the NBA is trying to do is trying to prevent that type of scenario from taking place. In the past, they would have this thing called the luxury tax. You guys are probably familiar with it, where if you see exceed the salary cap by a certain percentage, it's a dollar for dollar hit or a dollar 25 per dollar you spend. Um, but that was the only penalty. So in other words, if you had a rich owner, um, a, a tech billionaire, for instance, um, yeah. there was the only punitive penalty was in terms of hitting your pocketbook. The new CBA, um, in addition to, uh, obviously, uh, the financial repercussions, there's also some additional repercussions. You can't send out – once you hit the second apron, so this is another about $6 million above that luxury tax. And once yep. you hit that number, um, you're essentially hard-capped. Um, with, a, with a few exceptions. In addition, you can't trade a draft pick more than six years in the future. You can't sign players via the buyout market, um, which we've seen a lot of players get added. Uh, you know, Kevin Love, for instance, was uh, was one such player that Miami picked up. Um, 
And there's a couple other things that just that that, that make it difficult. Um, that just there's mechanisms in place for you can get these you know really top tier players, but it's difficult to round out your roster. Um, so I say all that to say, if Josh Hart opts into his contract and Nick sign him to an extension. Um, they keep that $13 million salary on the books for this upcoming season, which makes it easier for them to, you know, facilitate all their other moves and trades. They want to add another top tier superstar. Um, you know, we've talked about who potentially that could be if an NB shakes loose, something along those lines. Um, it's just, obviously you have a player at, at a lower salary. It benefits you going forward. Um, and it would benefit, um, Josh Hart because he would have five years fully guaranteed. Um, yeah. I think Hollinger threw, threw a number around, around 80 million, some, something yes. along those yeah, so that's a total of almost 95 million over five years, um, which is you know probably the high end of his annual basis. Would the Knicks be fully guaranteed? Um, would there be a team option? Would there be a player option at the end of that? That we'll all see. Um, but that's 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 one scenario. Um, the, again, the pros for the Knicks would be that cheaper first year. The cons for the Knicks would be extended out five years. So when we talk about the annual basis for Hart, I think most folks assume it'll probably be somewhere in the area of 15-ish million to 18-ish million. Hart's going to ask for 20. The Knicks are going to offer 14 the first time they sit down, et cetera. And they'll probably come to that, that scenario. Um, if I had to take a guess, I probably, I think the Knicks want to keep the years down. I think that would probably be their ideal scenario. Um, as opposed to going out the four or five years, I think they yeah. probably, you know, if, if Hart is dead set, I want 18, then maybe the Knicks only offer him three years. If he's willing to settle for 15 and a half going up to 16, 17, then the Knicks will give him four years. So somewhere along those lines, um, I think that's probably where they land. Uh, is that is that what you're thinking? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think, and that's why I think, you know, because again, I, you would, I, I would not think, I know that him and his agent have pieced this together. So the fact that he's saying that it's likely they will opt out already, to me, it, that kind of takes this opt-in situation off the table. It would sound like now. I don't know. I guess we could be playing hardball, but yeah, yeah. James, uh, you know, James Harden recently kind of did this with Philly, and 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 he could have opted out and said accepted a, a shorter two-year extension, and 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 allowed Philly to to spend some more money to get other guys in, uh, like PJ Tucker, his good buddy. So like. But also allowed Harden to sign the the huge contract he's going to sign this summer. They, that yeah, now he has more money coming to him because yes. he 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 extended on the, the previous contract. So yeah. it's um so I don't know that, that it makes me think given what, how Josh Hart was speaking in that interview that he that that won't happen that he won't uh, do it. But you said it could be posturing maybe that's still happening. But I get the impression that he he does want to opt out and he does want to get paid immediately and not to worry about the you know taking the 13 million and having the rest of the money come in the back end. And I wonder if Knicks end up kind of putting a deal together that is similar to the deals we've seen with the likes of Mitch and Jalen Brunson, where maybe you do have a deal that ends up being a little front loaded and maybe he is getting 18 to 19 million the first years, but then that, that salary, you know, decelerates for lack of a better term, de-escalates is a better term um, as the time goes on. So that's, that may be something you see as well. I don't know. I don't one thing. Josh Hart's guy remain a Nick, like they got to bring him back. They gave him a first-round pick for him. We saw how important he was in the 25 games he played in the regular season. We saw how important he was in the Cleveland series. Um, didn't play great in the Miami series, but he's he's a, he's a absolute glue guy. So bringing him back is an absolute must. And because we mentioned it, and we, we did a good job, I thought, last week of not talking about it, but because he didn't mention it again, and it seems to be the gift that keeps on giving, this whole Josh 
heart breast milk thing. So last week he put out that he had tried his wife's breast milk. His wife just recently uh, had a newborn. So congrats to him and his family. But uh, he put out that he wanted to try his, his wife's breast milk. And he was interested if other people had this same thought. It confused pretty much everybody who read this tweet thinking, what the hell is Josh Hart talking about? So once again in this interview, but now like the third time, he's had to explain what happened. So 85% of new dads at least wonder what breast milk tastes like. We had family over that day when they asked me, they're like, Did you try, have you tried Shannon breast I'm like, no, I haven't tried it. But if I ever do, you know, I want the whole, the whole charade. I want to be burped. I want to be cradled. I want, I want, I want everything. Somehow I got finesse into doing like a blind tasting. So we had like almond milk, a creamer and breast milk. Tried it obviously. And it was vanilla flavored almond milk. That's how it tasted. I literally took the blindfold off after I tasted it. I'm like, damn, this is actually like, not bad. it doesn't taste bad. I was like, this gotta be the breast milk. And like, I just knew cause like it tasted the best out of all of them. So then I was just like, you know, I'm just, I'm gonna tweet it and just see what people think. So basically what Josh Hart said was, my actions don't require any defense. In the same situation, I do it again. <laughs> that was Batman um, from Justice League Doom, an awesome uh, animated cartoon. So I am not married, one. Uh, love my girlfriend, though, of course, Andrea. I love you. Um, but And I don't have a kid, so I, I that's twofold. I'm not on the Josh Hart train. But my good friend Tommy Beer is married. He does have kids. So do you have any idea what Josh Hart is talking about? And do you relate to him in any way? Okay, listen. Um, the reality is, yes, I agree with him that everybody has at least wondered what it tastes like. Um, <laughs> however, I've never set up a blind taste test. I've never went that route. I certainly don't want to be cuddled and coddled. I think he went a little bit, a little bit too far in that one. So yes, I, I can agree that obviously you, there's some some curiosity involved there. Um, but I think that that's where I drew the line personally. I, I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> Yeah, jo I, yeah, Josh Hart. I feel like he may have some. Uh, he may have some things he's got to work out, given uh, <laughs> some of the commentary that I was going into why but, he wanted to do this, and it was a little odd. But yeah, but uh, let's. Uh, uh, you know, he may have been in the presence of Taylor Rook, so maybe his, his head was spinning. We'll, we'll, we'll that's we'll, true. We'll, yeah, we'll let him slide there. But yeah, I mean, just just big picture before we move on. Um, I totally yeah. agree with EJ. They they got to bring him back um ideally you want to get him as uh, on as good a deal as possible yes he didn't shoot well in the heat series and you know you show, you, saw, you saw the flaws in his game um which were exposed when you play a team seven times in a row over you know an eight day span you know 15 day span um night in night out from the moment josh Rush arrived to the to the to the cleveland series when he was a star in the cleveland series um incredibly valuable contributor on the knicks um led the knicks in plus minus a, a post all-star break um was seventh in the nba tied with anthony davis and and, and uh desmond bain in terms of plus minus um the, he was plus 150 in his 700 plus minutes um of action the only nick that was above plus 86 was emmanuel quickly um who's plus 117 so um again the knicks have plenty of, i know we we think that they need shooters and yes they they would like you would behoove them to add shooters this offseason but keep in mind Knicks finished third in the NBA in offensive rating last season they finished 19th in the NBA in defensive rating they need defenders as well um and yeah. Josh Hart is, is arguably their best perimeter defender um you know going up against Jimmy Butler's not easy etc um but again the, what he brings to the table and let's also you know the Knicks now have a superstar they have a guy that you're going to build a ideally a championship team around and for the first time in a long time the Knicks have to worry how do we keep this guy happy Happy. You know, like if, you know, Julius Randle was a great player, but you don't have to worry about, you know, you hope to have Jalen Brunson for the next seven years of his career and you hope that he leads you to the promised land. So you want to make that man happy. Obviously, there's a close relationship um, there with, there with uh, between Brunson and Hart. So keep that group together, um, you know, kind of get some faith and and, and build some, you know, uh, uh, front office equity with the with the guy you're eventually going to have to sign to a contract in a couple of years. So I think for all those reasons, Hart wants to stay. Um, the only way the Knicks will let him go is if some team offered him some exorbitant 20, 20 plus million dollars. Yeah, a year. he gets a hundred million dollar contract from somebody. That's then nice. then you have a decision to make. But I the reason I feel really confident in Josh Hart returning to the Knicks is because the Knicks are going to offer anything that's reasonable and maybe reasonable plus X. And I think yeah. Josh Hart would prefer to stay in New York and would offer and would accept something reasonable minus X from the Knicks. So I think it's I really think it's only a matter of time before they they come to that number. 
it's one of those situations. I think you're gonna, you probably, you may end up seeing it with the Warriors and Draymond Green. We'll see, but it's one of those situations where he means more to the team that he's on currently than he would mean probably to any team that would try to sign him, even if they did try to overpay him. So, uh, for all those reasons, I agree. I think Josh Hart does remain a Nick. Uh, but let's shifting gears here. Uh, Julius Randle he goes under the knife. Uh, the all the all NBA forward underwent arthroscopic surgery on his left ankle last week, the same ankle that played him through the end of the regular season and postseason. Randall posted a photo to Instagram showing his foot in a cast with the caption, Road to Recovery, just another obstacle. Randall had another tough go around in his second postseason appearance in New York. He averaged just 16 points, eight rebounds, and shot 37% from the field in his 10 playoff games. Randall is expected to resume basketball activities later this summer and be a full goal for training camp in the fall. Tommy, Julius Randle's postseason disappointment was much talked about. I think it remains to be much talked about among uh, Knicks world. Do you feel like Julius Randle having to go through ankle surgery following this playoff run absolves him in any way of his poor performance that we saw in the playoffs? Um, I think there's, I think there's both can be true. One, he still deserves, he deserves credit for playing through the injury. And I think a lot of fans kind of jumped on that as kind of their, their first reaction was, wow, he was hurt worse than, than we suspected. Um, you know, what a, what a warrior. And yes, he deserves credit. Um, didn't blame the injury, you know, during his, his, his post game yeah. press conferences, et cetera. Um, and listen, we've credited Randall all year for the one thing he does is he shows up. Um, played the first 77 yeah. games a year, started every game, led the league in minutes, um, second in the league in total minutes, played the last three years behind only Iron Man, Mikhail Bridges. Um, you know, the, the guy shows up to work, takes pride in showing up to work every day. And in today's NBA, that's that's a rarity. That That's uncommon. So um, yeah, Randall deserves credit for that. That being said, um, a couple things. This, this poor performance in the postseason wasn't his first – you know, it was equally he was equally as bad two years ago in his first yes. season series against the Hawks. Um, uh, he also had some moments where he looked good. Um, and just as much as the as the the offensive inefficiency was was troubling and you could, you know, maybe couldn't stop, maybe couldn't jump cut. And he's a guy that relies on his physicality. He's an incredible combination of size, strength, brute force. So he's not like he's just a jump shooter. You know, the ankle, you know, obviously played a role in it. Um, but, you know, it's also important to know other guys are dinged up. Jimmy Butler has been playing with a bum ankle. Yep. Uh, Jalen Brunson almost missed a game because of an ankle issue. Um, you know, your LeBron James had a torn tendon in his foot playing throughout the playoffs. When you play 90 NBA basketball games, something's going to be hurting on you. Um, you know, you're still playing in April and May. Something's going to be dinged up. That that, that being said, um, uh, so that th that's going to lead us to the question that also has to be discussed is, should Tibbs have limited his playing time knowing that he clearly wasn't himself? Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't just eye test. You could see that the plus minus numbers, et cetera. Um, the one game that, that, that Julius Randall set out, Obi Toppin started, um, scored 18 points on 7-11 shooting, um, grabbed eight rebounds. So obviously contributed um, in that way. So I think those are a couple of the issues. And in, in a weird way, I think, the Randall injury could is almost like a, a silver lining for the Knicks if they do decide to trade him, saying like, "Listen, yeah, you know, another team's going to say, listen, he's a great regular season player, but he struggled in the postseason." Leon Rose bounces back and says, "Hey, yeah, well, maybe, but he, you know, he was dealing with an ankle injury, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, keep That's that in true. mind, yada yada yada. So we'll we'll see how it all plays out." Yeah, I think you you laid that out pretty well. For me, I think, and I and I've given him credit. And I talked about it on the show. I talked about game one. He was a warrior and helped the Knicks win that game in Cleveland. Like he deserves credit for going out there and being available and trying to be out there for his guys when he when duty called. And the fact that he only missed one game during one playoff game during these various ankle injuries he dealt with shows a level of toughness that I think we all can respect. The problem is some of the issues that you saw from him whether it be not hustling, lack of focus. These are things that you see from him when he's 100% healthy. So it's hard for me to watch that performance and say he didn't close out on that guy. He didn't make that right read. He ran through that double team. He didn't understand where the help defense was coming from because he had a bad ankle. Uh, to me, that doesn't compute. Now, maybe missing some shots, maybe I give him a little more of a break there. 
know, maybe him not being able to finish as well around the basket in certain places, maybe I give him a little bit more of a break there. But some of these plays where he's, you know, just seems like he's on another planet mentally, that you, I can't absolve him for. So <laughs> it becomes like almost like a maybe a partial absolving situation where maybe I, 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 I kind of give him a break on some of the shot making not being there the way it was in the regular season. But some of the intangible things that I've seen him have issues with, regardless of whether he's healthy or hurt, still happening. I, I can't, I can't absolve him for that. I can't. And the perfect illustration was the turnover at half court, and he just throws his arm up. Yeah, doesn't even doesn't even jog back. You know, maybe yeah. he can't sprint, maybe he can't stop short, but at least make an effort instead of you know blaming somebody else for your bad turnover and kind of throwing your hands up in the air. That is not an ankle injury. That's right. and again. I think you're you're perfectly right. The, the the poor field goal percentage could be attributable to the ankle injury, even though it was he was he was actually worse right. field goal percentage against the Hawks. Yeah, he's like twenty nine percent against the Hawks, which was crazy. The, the numbers are nasty this time around. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but again, he's the type of player that it tends to bleed onto the other side of the floor. So where does the ankle issue start, and where does the other stuff kind of all you know it's all wrapped up into one but yeah i I, that's a good point is um and and i meant to make it as well as um you can forgive some of the stuff but again some of it's not effort some of it's not injury related um it's that it's that body language stuff that uh that 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 is that irks a lot Knicks fans and i do think you make a good point too about tibbs and the coaching because we've seen tibbs do this in the postseason in the past like i don't know if you remember that run the chicago bulls had where you know i think rose didn't actually play and it seemed like everybody on their team was suffering through some serious injury. Like Lewis Dang, Lou Dang had to go to like yeah. the hospital um, yeah. um, because of something he Nate, was dealing with. That was Nate Robinson was playing like forty-seven Nate, minutes. Yeah, right? Nate Robinson was being you know driven, you know driven, you know to the to the pedal to the metal yep. during that series. I think they were playing Brooklyn once in maybe. Um, either, yeah, 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 exactly. And like it was like they were like you know it was like a it was like a morgue. We were seeing that roster, and you know. Part of the reason why some of these guys, a little dang, was never the same after that series. So I do think there has to be questions asked about how Thibodeau's playing these guys, not necessarily leading up to Randall getting hurt. Like, he stepped on a guy's yeah. foot. That happens. Yeah. I'm not yeah. at all talking about that. I'm talking about once you know a guy is injured, how are you managing their time and minutes to get the best out of them? Because not only did we see that with Tibbs in Chicago, we saw that the season prior to this past season with Alec Burks. Alec Burks played a whole season where you know Kemba Walker didn't work out and for half the season he was asked to play point guard and was playing like superstar minutes and then after the season we learned he guy needed foot surgery and he wasn't ready to start the next season and you're like how is a guy who isn't even capable of playing point guard being asked to play point guard for that many minutes and he's playing on a a, a bad foot and I got a foot that needs surgery like how is that and this is not Julius Randle it's not a guy who's an all-star caliber player this is Alec Burks with Emmanuel so, quickly on the bench behind him. Right. And you have other capable guys, just like the Knicks had another capable power forward in Julius Randle. Like they needed Randle to play in his game. I'm not saying sit him on the bench, but how many stretches in those games do we see Randle struggle for long stretches? And you know he's dealing with a, a bad ankle and he's just, uh, again, riding him to the wheels fall off. Like it's, some things about this coach, just, I, I can't wrap my head around, but this continues to be an issue with him. He doesn't seem to care about where a guy is from his health standpoint and how, okay, guy's playing and that's great. And, and now he's available, but perhaps be careful of how you're using him once he's out there. Because Julius Randle, assuming he's on the team next year and assuming he's on the team for the foreseeable future, it seems like the Knicks want to make a commit. They've already made a commitment to him to be that guy. He's not a guy you're going to need just for that playoff series last year against Miami or against Cleveland. You're going to need him next season, the season after that, potentially the season after that. So there's gotta be some thought process behind that. Like Tibbs is not a guy coaching on a one-year deal. He gotta, he gotta, he gotta. He, his, the final year of his four-year deal got picked up into a fifth-year deal in his first year in New York. The guy has plenty of time left here on his contract. There's no reason for him to be coaching with this ridiculous urgency in terms of running guys into the ground. It's very odd because then he coaches in other ways that like he has no urgency when it comes to playing guys who are injured or playing guys who are banged up. That he has the most urgency to put guys out there and perhaps put them at risk. And that's the frustrating thing is because if it wasn't Randall, if it was, you know, uh, RJ Barrett or IQ or Obi and they were dinged up, would he err on the side of caution and not put Absolutely. those guys in? You know, and I that's mean, quitting Grimes earlier this season. I mean, I was told that we had to start Evan Fournier because 
hey, we needed shooting, which again was ridiculous to me. Quentin Rhymes hit like seven airy threes in his first start with the Knicks the previous year. But also it was like, well, you know, Quentin Grimes is hurt and we gotta we gotta work him back and we gotta be careful. So I had to watch like 20 games of Evan Fournier uh being an absolute seed defensively for the Knicks for them to decide, hey, you know what, maybe we should put, I don't know, the best on ball defender on the team in the starting line to play next to Jalen Brunson, who we know can't defend. Like you're right. He picks and chooses battles with where he prioritizes certain things with this team. And it continues to be um, a, a liability uh, for the team. And it continues to be a blind spot for him as a coach. Yeah. I mean, can't help but think that the, you know, the, the, the relationship between he and Randall, his inability to call out Randall when it needs to be done and, and criticize Randall. Um, you know, we had another perfect example, Mike Malone, game two of the NBA finals ripped go. into his guys. Um, you know, and we just haven't seen that with Tibbs and Randall. And that's one of the reasons why uh, you and I, why, why both of us are, uh, are, are worried or are, are cautious of bringing both of these guys back next season, because, you know, it's that, 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 that issue remains, uh, you know, apparent. And talking about Michael Malone, what a novel thought, a coach who did not have to watch the film, did not have to watch the game three or four times to look at that and say, my team didn't have enough effort and focus. There were certain guys that did not have the right focus and energy when they missed shots, they didn't play defense, and that's why we lost this game. It's a novel thought. I'm told by Tom Thibodeau that you can only talk about the game after the game has been played. And you can't talk about people's effort because at the end of the day, it's all about a team. That's all I hear every single time Thibodeau speaks. But yet, a guy who I don't know is coaching the NBA Finals. I think he's doing pretty well for himself. He's able to watch a game be played and immediately say, this is a problem with this team. But uh, with the Knicks, we're not allowed to do that because the head coach says you have to wait until you watch the game two, three, maybe four times before making an observation, which is crazy because sometimes you play back-to-back. So are you really watching it four times where you play the next game? So are you going to the game just having never came up to a conclusion of what happened the previous game? I mean, it's just nonsense and stuff that Tip says. Lastly on Randall, any concern about his readiness, readiness for next season? Uh, no, it, it sounds like, you know, Woj made it clear, you know, it wasn't just the Knicks saying that they expect me ready. So yeah. it sounds like he'll be ready for the, the training camp, let alone um, the regular season. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, if the, the, one of the reasons he may have had to, again, we don't even know the details of it. The Knicks, surprise, surprise, the Knicks aren't forthcoming. Um, you know, did he, <laughs> did he tweak it, you know, walking his dog, like something like something like that could have happened right. in, in the three weeks since he played. Maybe they were waiting for it to rest and it wasn't rest, you know, so they just wanted to go in and clean it up. What was the extent? to the surgery um but from everything we hear again if it was the playoffs he probably could still be playing let alone not needing surgery if it was the regular season he probably could take a week off and then play again yada 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 but you have the benefit of, of you know three months off so you might as well have you know get the surgery cleaned up etc um so i don't have any concern at the moment we'll obviously wait until at, once we get closer um i'm sure we'll see some workout videos that'll uh, assuage our concerns yep hopefully Randall can come back and and and, and be healthy in the ankle won't be an ongoing lingering thing coming into this next season. So lastly, call him Captain America. Jalen Brunson is expected to represent Team USA in the 2023 FIBA World Cup. Mark Stein was the first to report that Brunson would join a roster that includes Tyrese Halliburton, Austin Reeves, Anthony Edwards, Mikael Bridges, and Bobby Portis, Brandon Ingram, and Jaron uh, Jackson uh, have both also been reportedly Acts and will eventually join the team as well. The FIBA World Cup begins in Japan, Indonesia, and the Philippines on August 25th. The first game for Team USA in group play is against New Zealand on August 26th. So Jalen Brunson named the Team USA for the FIBA World Cup. He will be playing for Steve Kerr, who's the head coach of Team USA. How do you feel about Jalen Brunson playing on Team USA? Are you okay with it? Are you concerned about potential health uh, risks that, have, that come with him playing with Team USA this summer? Yeah, I, I mean, my initial reaction was like, you know, Nick fans were celebrating. My first thought was, you know, ah, I, I would prefer him just be on a beach somewhere and not even pick up a basketball because we know that he's going to get pushed the limit, um, yeah. you know, uh, under Tibbs next season and going forward. Um, that being said, these guys, you know, Brunson's a hard worker. He's going to be working out diligently no matter if it's in a gym or, or with Team USA, et cetera. Um, instead of playing pickup games, he's going to be playing, you know, you know, uh, Team USA scrimmages and games, et cetera. Um, and the other benefit is developing relationships with some of the other star players. We've seen how this true. Is, it kind of yielded some fruit. You know, obviously there's, you know, the, the um, 
LeBron and the, the KD, big three in Miami, KD, Kyrie, yeah. the big three in Miami, the KD and Kyrie, you know, some, some people attribute that back to their, um, you know, their, their relationship that they developed while playing for team USA. So we'll see if, oh, yeah. um, you know, Brunson kind of befriends some of the other, uh, you know, stars that are, that are going to make up team USA it could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's weird. It's like a, it's like a bittersweet moment. Like, it's like, for me, it's like, wow, Jalen Brunson being recognized, on team usa them inviting him to play on their team and i know this is not you know necessarily the redeemed team or the dream team we don't have a roster of that kind of stars but it is a a decent squad and he is maybe the best player on this team considering the guys they brought on i mean maybe anthony edwards maybe tyrese halber maybe argue for tyrese halber i think but mikhail bridges of course his buddy from villanova so Brunson will be heavily featured. So that's going to be really exciting to see him wearing you know, the, the the red, white, and blue um, representing the Knicks for Team USA. Though there is that underlying thing of, hey, you know, you don't want him to get hurt. And how many minutes is he playing? How will this factor into what the season will happen? And look, I've been consistent, whether it be with Team USA or these international competitions in basketball. I was very at vocal and was fighting with people on WFAN about the uh, World Baseball Classic, especially after Edwin Diaz of the Mets got injured. He's their closer for those who don't uh, watch baseball. He got injured playing for Team Puerto Rico. Uh, this is part of the games. The, the, the sport is a global sport. So this comes with that. So you're going to have players in your teams. If they're good, they're going to be asked to play for their national teams. Team Canada is going to be in this tournament. RJ Barrett will almost certainly be playing for Team Canada. So the Knicks will have at least two guys playing in the FIBA World Cup. There's some concern there, but I'm going to kind of maybe twist and try to see the silver lining in it beyond just the pride that you have in seeing the Knicks out there is I think you will have maybe RJ and Jalen Brunson come in in tip-top shape. They'll come in ready to go. Like how many times did we see Carmel Anthony, you know, have that Olympic experience and come in raring to go to start the season? Um, I think that he'll be sharp. They won't have this kind of rush to start the season like Jalen Brunson in his first year in New York not that he started off poor but like he like first game wasn't that great he kind of had to kind of get into the groove of things before he really finally took off like I think you'll see Jalen Brunson come and hit the hit the ground running because he has now been playing competitive basketball against other high-end players you know from August until early September right into training camp it will be smart it will be important and careful for Tibbs to be mindful of his minutes early in the season. Will he? I have zero <laughs> faith that he will. Zero. Tommy laughs because it's like, give me a break. But he, he I mean, so I hope somebody goes to Tibbs and says, hey, like this is a marathon and Jalen has now started his season a month before most of the other NBA players have. Be mindful of that, especially early on. Like we know by the time we get to deciphering where the seating is going to be, deciphering, uh, um, you know, obviously playoff games and, and, and trying to win playoff games. You know, Brunson is going to be in that 40-minute range. Like, that's going to happen. But it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So, Nick's going to have to be smart about how they use him throughout the season so that we don't have uh, the FIBA World Cup to blame for why Brunson's run out of gas in April and May. And fortunately, the Knicks have plenty of depth uh, back there. They do. Uh, right. They got, obviously, uh, not only Emmanuel Quickly, um, you know, six men of the year candidate, but also Deuce McBride, you know, maybe get him some run earlier in the season. And somebody we haven't talked about much on the on the pod yet, but Rokas Jokobitis, um, a player. Yeah, what's the deal with him? I've been waiting still, to see Rokas. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he plays in the summer league this year. Um, but uh, he's continuing to play for FC Barcelona um, out in the ACB league in Spain, which is basically the second best league in the world um, behind the NBA. So uh, it'll be interesting if the Knicks don't, bring him over, uh, might, you know, might they use him as a trade chip in a deal? Um, but he was uh, voted the rising star uh, in the ACB league last season. So, um, you know, not a, not a, a really high ceiling guy, but a player that uh, has proven his worth. Um, didn't quite take this step that I think a lot of Nick fans were hoping, a lot of Barcelona fans were hoping that he would kind of, you know, impress and, and uh, move to that, that next level this season, um, kind of plateaued, took a step back even in some respects. But, um, yeah, we'll see if uh, they, they bring him over for either uh, summer league or training. Yeah, I think that Rokas kind of ends up being kind of a mystery man here. A lot of people want to see what this kid can do. A lot of promise from what we've seen from him playing for his international teams 
whether it be Lithuania, whether it be, of course, for, uh, uh, you know, FC Barcelona. So, or FB Barcelona, I guess. I don't know how that works, but. Um, yeah, good, good call. Yeah, you're right, FB. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the only thing is now with Brunson in the mix, that changes the calculus. You know, there's there's just. Yeah. Long term. Yeah, exactly. And unless, you know, unless, unless he's content being a backup, you know, unless they, they want the next one go that route, you know. Yeah, and that's almost why I'm actually curious if, because I don't remember, I don't remember exactly what Deuce's deal is, but I almost wonder. He, he has a team option, so the Knicks will have to make a decision on him. This, this so season. I almost wonder if they say, Rokas, chill out for another year. We're going to yes. evaluate Deuce. Right. And if Deuce can can cement being the third-string point guard and the guy who kind of is on the periphery of the rotation, then they'll trade Rokas. And if he's not, then they'll just let Deuce walk and say, all right, come on over, Rokas. You're the new right. third-string point right, guard. Right. Yep. And, and by the time – that we get to that season, like the whole team landscape could be entirely different. We don't know where Emmanuel quickly is. We don't know how they're using Emmanuel quickly. Maybe he's playing more two guards. Like we don't know how the team looks. It could be very different, especially if the Knicks end up making some massive trade for a star, a superstar between now and then. Uh, lastly, quickly on the Team USA bit, like I mentioned, some of the guys that'll be on this team that we've heard about: Brunson, Halliburton, Mikael Bridges, Austin Reeves, Anthony Edwards. Uh, Bobby Portis, Ingram, Jaron Jackson. How do you feel this team will fare given the roster they put together so far? Yeah, I think they'll be. I think they'll be good. You know, I like the idea that that Brunson's kind of a, you know, a lot of young guys, a lot of youth on the roster. So I like the idea that Brunson's going to kind of affirm himself as the leader and, and sort of Captain America, as you said, of the team. So I think that's um, you know interesting, something to keep an eye on. I think it'll just only benefit him as he kind of grows into his role as captain of the Knicks. Yeah, I, I think that they'll be fine as well. I know there were a lot of jokes about how this team was gonna struggle. Um, look, we we the expectations of a team USA have to be different. I think that like you should expect gold, but I think they could lose games like we saw with Greg Popovich. They lost like multiple games, you know, prior to the tournament. I think they actually lost a game uh, in, in the last international tournament. So it, they may not go undefeated, but I still think they should be the favorites. And I think that they'll probably be at least one maybe even two other big names that join on that, that we haven't heard about yet. Maybe it's a guy that's playing in the NBA finals. Uh, maybe it's a guy that uh, maybe is still kind of deciphering whether they're going to play and end up permitting. We still got a long time between now and August. So I think the team USA will be just fine. I think the fact that they have Jalen Brunson actually makes me feel a lot better about this team. Cause I think that yes. he's shown that he's a winning player. Yeah. So you put him in a backcourt with Annie Edwards, put, you know, Mikael Bridges on the wing. You got Jaron Jackson, man in the middle. Uh, it should be a fun team. It should be a fun tournament. I feel like international basketball now is probably about as even as maybe it's ever been in terms of the amount of good teams who can field competitive rosters. So we'll see it, how many of the big, big stars play in the World Cup. A lot of them you know, definitely play in the Olympics, so we'll see how that works out. But if the uh, other big international stars play for their teams, then it should be a great tournament. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, one one in the finals. Uh, you alluded yep. to it. Um, I assume you're surprised by Miami taking game two. Um, do they have a, a real chance to to make this really interesting? Now? Um, answer the first question. I'm not as surprised as you thought because I, I had them in six or okay. the Nuggets in six. So uh, there were going to be wins there. I didn't necessarily think that they would only be in Miami. So I'm not so surprised they took game two. And I, but the answer to the second question. Well, I didn't think they had that much of a chance heading into the series. I now think that they're really viable in the series. I just really was concerned about how long there were stretches in that game with Denver where they seemed to lack the kind of focus and discipline necessary to win a championship. Now, there's so much more talented in this team that maybe they could get away with that for over the course of a seven-game series. But as we've seen with Miami, you cannot play with your food against this team. This is the last team you can kind of – give extra confidence to and to see so many guys wide open on three so many kind of mental errors happening guys not closing out correctly it, that was a little alarming because when you get to this point and you're playing for the nba finals michael malone said it like there should be a level of sharp focus that you know you're you're ironclad in what you know you're trying to do and you knowing that other team it's almost like they won that first game and kind of expected to kind of you know put it in cruise control right to a four game sweep like this is the miami heat that's not going to happen so if the Nuggets continue to play with that kind of apathy, then the Heat have a great chance to win the series. Yeah, I th I'm going to go the other direction. I think that was mm. a kind of one-game slip-up by Denver. I think 
I think Malone will have him kind of tighten the screws. I was surprised that, you know, they're only nuggets are only given two and a half um, in Miami. I, I think they I think they'll win comfortably game three. Um, I think they're a better team. I think they're a deeper team. Um, obviously Miami has stumbled upon the, you know, we, you know, regardless of what Spo wants to say, they're making Jokic a pass, uh, making Jokic a shooter. Yeah, what was it? What was he? What was he? I, 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 about I, with that. I don't know. Um, he, but no, yeah, I I, say he is a coach that does not like when people talk about strategy, like I've yes. seen him in the past kind of bristle yes. at questions like that. So maybe yes. that was yes. his thing doing there. And apparently him and Ramona Shelburne were laughing, joking afterwards. So that could have been what was happening there. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think, you know, I think Murray's going to bounce back. I, I, Porter Jr. is an NX factor. I think he was in, he was invisible in game two. Um, obviously, I think he should step in, step up. And plus that he just made shots. You know, they were terrible yeah. in game one. They made shots in game two. Um, I think that the, the Nuggets haven't played anything close to their A game, you know, let alone a B-plus game. Um, Jokic has obviously been terrific, but their kind of surrounding pieces have been up and down. Um, get a little more from Bruce Brown, um, a little bit more from Aaron Gordon. And, uh, you know, Butler hasn't been great. Um, you know, talking about guys with ankle injury, he doesn't, he hasn't looked the same since his ankle injury. So, um, yeah, listen, I, I, I've learned not to count out the heat. So, I, you know, it's not like, oh, they're going to blow their doors off and it cruise yeah. to a five. I could definitely see it going six or, or something along those lines. Um, but I, I am surprised that at that, the, you know, Vegas, the odds have shifted as dramatically as they have just in terms of, um, I think Denver's only plus 260 right now or something along those lines. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I I don't – my view of Denver, my pick of Denver, I'm not overly concerned about. Um, I think even if they win one of two in in, in uh, Miami, they can win, you know, game five at home and then game six in Miami, et cetera. They have game seven at home. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, – you know, as a basketball fan, I'm happy that we have uh, some an exciting series ahead of us. Yeah, it should be a fun way, a uh, fun series down the stretch. Porter, KCP, and Jeff Green. I thought they had disaster classes in game two. That cannot repeat if they're going to get back on track. That will do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Of course, we are a podcast you can find wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Hit the download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the WFN channel. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel. Check us out on either spot. Tommy, let the people know they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. And check out New Generation, uh, New Generation Media, my own YouTube channel. We're doing NBA draft coverage. We have a new video out now talking about NBA factor fiction regarding the NBA draft. So plenty of good conversations there. Check me out on YouTube as well. Find that NU Generation Media. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys again so much for checking this out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys.